Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Thursday edition of the show. Want to say hello to everybody that is watching this episode and listening to it on Spotify if you're doing that at a later event. Today's topic, which we are going to talk about since the Bucks are on a buy is how far can the Bucs go this year? They obviously started out hot with the 3-1 and one record. Will they be able to sustain that for the remainder of the regular season? That is a discussion that we will talk about today. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Bailey Adams of PewterReport.com will be joining me a little bit later at around... Uh, what time is it now? 4.04. Bailey will be joining me around 4.30 at that time. So uh, for a little bit, it's just me, myself, and I and the pewter people. Kind of like doing a pewter game day stream in the second half. So that's quite all right. Uh, and then Bailey will join me. We'll, we'll dive a little bit more into this topic. So for the time being, if you guys got a question, obviously Super Chats are always appreciated. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to some. I'll get my thoughts on it. I got some videos from some of the latest press conferences that we had on Monday. So if you missed that from some of our other shows, we'll play a little bit of Todd Bowles. We'll play a little bit of uh, Dave Canales. And we also spoke to Luke Gedeke as well. So, um, yeah, we'll just get into all the Bucks topics as Braden Travis starts it off with, hey, hey, Tampa Bay. Bucks know how to shine. I think a lot of people are very happy right now with that three and one start. As I like Rice Bish says, "Go Bucks!" Your top fan from Pennsylvania. Let's get this bread. PR. That's awesome. I like Rice Bish. I want to know: Are you from the Western Pennsylvania side, like Pittsburgh, like John Ledyard's uh, area? Shout out to John. Or are you more uh, the Philadelphia side, the side we don't like as much? As G Vegas says. How far can they go? If the offense can play efficiently, I would say the NFC Championship game, if the defense can also build their front pass rush. Uh, Michael Lowe says NFC Championship game as well. And Jeremy Lowe says, I feel with Cancy coming back, our defense will be all over Jared Goff. Yeah, so as far as how far this team can go, I'll, I'll save that a little bit for when Bailey Adams does join the show. But with this man calling the shots on defense, I really think that as far as defensively, the Bucs have a Super Bowl caliber defense. I mean, let's be realistic, too. The guys that they have on defense, when healthy, there is a lot of players from that Super Bowl winning team. And that was a luxury. Something that Jason Light actually talked about uh, all the way back at the NFL Combine where he was talking about his defense, and he said, uh, you know, there are a number of starters from that Super Bowl-winning team in 2020 that were on their first-year contracts. Uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr. is still on his first-year contract. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean were at the time. Devin White, who we've talked about a lot, is still on his first-year contract. I mean, you go across the board, and you still have – not everyone's on their first-year contract. Obviously, Vita Vea got that extension, and and – you know, Levante David's been a veteran in the league. But if I were to count it up, if you go across the defensive line, you got, as far as starters, Vita Vea from the 2020 Super Bowl team still on this defense. You got Vita, you got Shaq Barrett, that's two, along the defensive line. 
Then you got Devin and Levante. That's four right there. Again, all from the Super Bowl winning team. Then you have Carlton, Jamel, and Anton Winfield Jr. We're talking about seven of 11 spots on this defense are still the same guys that were on the um, on the Super Bowl winning team from a couple of seasons ago. Granted, there's going to be changes year in and year out. But anytime you still have that core nucleus, yeah, Will Golson as well, but he Will Golson wasn't technically he's not starting for the Bucks anymore. He's kind of limited in, in his production. But yeah, that, that's another one as well. Anthony Nelson obviously was on that team too. I'm just talking about starters specifically. So I mean, when you have that core group and Kalijah Kansi hopefully coming back sooner rather than later, I, I think we'll see him at practice after the bye. That's just um, a speculation of mine at the moment. Um, I, I do think that this Buccaneers defense can really hang with everyone. Were they fantastic against the Philadelphia Eagles? No, not by any means. But again, Jamel Dean missed an interception that he probably should have had. And you look at the rest of the games by the Bucs, they shut down Justin Jefferson in the second half. In the second half, that needs to be reiterated. They take the ball away at timely moments. Obviously, they got the, the big turnover, the pick six by Shaq Barrett uh, against the Bears. And then they didn't allow a touchdown to the Saints. Not a touchdown. I don't care if you know it's Derek Carr or Jameis Winston in the game. They did not allow a touchdown against their bitter, hated NFC South defensive a defensive rival, just a NFC South division rival. So um, I think that's really, really important to take into consideration with this Buccaneers defense. I think this Bucs defense is a Super Bowl caliber team. As Darius Miller says, they still have experience. Absolutely. They got experience across the board on the defensive side. And obviously when you have Mike and Chris and guys like that on offense, you bring a lot of, experience to the offense too as felix schmidt says baker is the future you know it's really interesting with baker we had this conversation yesterday with river wells from uh the the bucks website on usa today and we were talking about like what contract would you give baker mayfield and you know let's remember this is all the rest of the season has to play out because we've seen this before the bucks get out to a good start and then they just kind of plummet down the stretch and the Bucks by no means can have that going into uh, their season after the bye. But if Baker keeps playing the way he is and the way that he's ingratiated himself with the Tampa community, with, you know, Bucks fans. I mean, he was at the race playoff game the other day. People just absolutely love Baker Mayfield right now. And for rightfully so, I, the, the Bucks players love him too. I actually, I'll read this quote. So you guys may have seen Jason Light went on um, Jason Light went on Peter Schrager's podcast and talked about Baker. And then Baker had an interview with Rich Eisen. And so a lot of bucks in the media recently, obviously because they're on a buy, they're a little more open to talking to people. But this is what Jason Light said about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he said, he's a freaking awesome dude. Sounded like Napoleon Dynamite. He's a dude. And the players saw it right away, whether he's taking the linemen to the Bahamas on our break during camp before final cuts to go golf, or he's spotted around town at dive bars with a different position group of receivers with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, with these guys. It's not fake. 
He really knows how to be a dude with the team, and they love him. Then Baker confirmed this story that he took uh, Luke Gedeke, Tristan Wirfs, and Robert Hainsey to the Bahamas and talked about just you know bringing the guys out uh, at the local watering holes, as, uh, as he said. And then we actually spoke to, and this article's on PeterReport.com as well. I'll actually throw it in the chat so you guys can read it for yourselves if you would like to. There we go. And uh, the cool thing is we got to speak to Luke Gedeke on Monday, kind of like privately. Uh, I mean, there was other Bucks media there, but in the, in the Bucks media room. And he had this to say about Baker, stating he's a phenomenal quarterback. He's definitely one of the boys. We just love him to death and love playing for him. And, you know, Baker really formed this bond with the other Bucks players, especially the offensive linemen, such as Luke Gedeke. In training camp, you know, the, the guys, they stay at a hotel close to the, the Bucks facility. It's kind of like a bonding thing. And the, uh, the room that the guys, I, I guess they were like conjoined rooms or whatever it was. But the guys that had a room together was Luke Gedeke, Robert Hainsey, Tristan Wirfs, and Baker Mayfield. So every single night, those guys were hanging out at night, getting together, talking about life and everything else in between. And it really formed that relationship, which I think has helped the Bucks early on, just kind of building that chemistry, which is super, super important. And then another thing, and, and Peter Port, we've talked about this a lot, is even at practice, you know, Baker is, um, you know, when he's warming up, he's chilling with the with the defensive lineman, stretching with Vita Vea, just talking with everybody else there. Excuse me, my uh, hair looks disgusting right now. Well, with the hair, with the hat and the hair, got the hat hair going. Um, but Gedeke, just speaking to Baker, getting along with everyone, whether it's offense or defense, says that's just huge to players when they see that. Talking about stretching, warming up with. Uh, the other side of the football, just a quarterback that doesn't think he's above other people. With that being said, I feel like the offensive, the offense and defense, a lot of times it's like, oh, I can't talk to them because they're on the offense, especially during camp. But Baker, he's an all around team guy, which I love that about him. He's friends with everyone in the locker room and we're all just really close. And, you know, whether it's everyone not having the right expectations for the Bucs, whether, um, you know, the Bucks took offense to what kind of other outside noise were saying about Tampa Bay. Uh, they've rallied around each other, and I think that's really, really helped with that 3 and one start. As Grizz says, uh, he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes, talking about Good Burger. I heard they're making a Good Burger, too. Uh, that would be quite interesting. But yeah, Keenan and Kel back together. Uh, Jeremy Lowe says, let's not forget Trask is capable as well if Baker gets hurt. Jeremy, it's interesting you said that um, because I thought we were going to see Kyle Trask when Baker got hurt or not hurt, when he got hit after the Kate Otten touchdown and he folded like an accordion. I had had it built in my head that Kyle Trask was getting into this game. Um, he did not, and Baker ended up playing very well, throwing three touchdowns in the game. I don't want there to be a situation where Kyle Trask gets in, but if he does play at some point, I feel okay about Kyle Trask. Yes. Okay. So there is a sequel on the way with Good Burger. Good to know. Good to know. Um, Darius says, seeing the Bucks as number 10 in some power rankings. Funny how they expected us to be tanking for Caleb 
Williams. Yeah, it is quite funny. I mean, if you listen to the Peter Report podcast, we would have told you they're not going to be getting a top five pick. It's just not going to be the case. This team is too good, too talented, and the coaches cannot afford it. Okay, they will be out of a job if they ended up with a top five pick this season. G Vegas says the Detroit game after the bye will be huge. I just hope the Bucks didn't rest on their laurels coming out of the bye. They can't buy into their hype. I think that's a great point. And I don't think they will buy into the hype because, you know, they all, and it's kind of everything I just said with they're rallying around each other. It's, uh, it's unified, all that good stuff. You know, they bonded together by saying, we're not going to listen to the outside noise. Kind of like what I said before about the low expectations of this team. So I don't think they're going to start listening to everybody just because now they're doing well. I think it's best to just not listen to everyone outside of the building, whether you're doing well or you're playing poorly. And I think Chris Godwin really summed it up best when Godwin, he's been saying this since training camp. He's been going at this for quite a while where Godwin was talking about the fact that, hey, last year you guys all said we were going to be fantastic and we were going to go to the Super Bowl and all this stuff. And they end up going eight and nine and losing in the first round. So at times, the outside opinion doesn't make a difference. It's all on the players in the building. It's all on this Bucks team growing together as a unit. And I think that's what we really saw. Um, you know, Todd Bowles isn't getting too ahead of itself either. He said, again, it's only the first quarter of the season. Three and one is good, better than one and three. Now, this is a different article on pewterreport.com that I wrote. Uh, we have to get some guys nursed up. We have to scheme some things up, iron some things out here. But we're morphing into a kind of physical team that's hard to beat. We just have to continue that without the mistakes. And the becoming a physical team, I think, is key for the Bucs. Because at times they don't look pretty. At times it does look kind of ugly. Don't look pretty. Uh, what is it? Uh, it ain't pretty, but it's gritty. That's how they're going to win a lot of the games this season. But if you play physical, if you play tough, teams aren't going to want to play against you. They might beat you, but they're not going to be looking forward to playing against the Bucs each season. I kind of feel like that should be their identity and their and their mantra moving forward. I mean, the offense hasn't been spectacular. I think last game was their best game, but they're not panicking. Baker's fighting to get a lot of different rushing yards, so... I still think that this offense has a long way to go. And that's a good thing because they're still being productive without being, you know, the best version of themselves as the Buccaneers offense in this season. So with the offense still trying to get itself together, they're going to have to win in different ways. And I think you've seen that with all three of their victories. You know, first week they definitely relied on their defense. And then Baker made the big play at the end with the completion to Chris Godwin, and that helped seal the game out, especially when the offense got it together in the second half. The Bears game, they were, you know, the defense, the defense has really won it for every single game, but different big moments. Whether, you know, the big one against the Bears obviously was the Shaq pick six, and then Christian Izzian getting another interception after that. And then this last one was the Bucks offense kind of putting it away at the end, never allowing the Saints to even think that they could take the lead in this one. Because remember, at times, the Bucs had an eight-point lead, so all the Saints could do was really um, was really just 
tied the game up, and they never even got close to that. So uh, just play physical, play tough, and they can hang with everyone. I think that should be the thought process for the Bucks moving forward, as Michael Law says. Bye week came at a good time with the injuries. Yeah, it, it did. Now, I've spoken to some players who aren't a fan of it because of the fact that after this, then you're playing however many games that it is is a row. It is in a row, like 10, 12 games in a row, whatever it is. So they did get the injury bug pretty early. And when you have Kalisha Kansi coming back, which will be super important, Mike Evans missing the, the second half of the game against the Saints, just allowing him to rest up so he doesn't have to miss any time, I think is really, really crucial. Um, Jamel Dean being fully healthy, I think, makes a big difference. So I would agree it comes at the right time. I'm an advocate of having a later bye week. I would also prefer if the NFL just had two bye weeks because you added that extra game. So I, I think a lot of the players would um, would really appreciate that. But um, in the meantime, let's get to a couple of videos from Monday and earlier this week of Todd Bowles kind of talking about this team. We'll get into Dave Canales as well, but we'll save him for the main event because everybody loves Dave Canales. And I think it's most important to start off with the head coach. So uh, first, we'll hear from Todd Bowles about the identity of this Bucks team. Has he found that identity just yet? Seen an identity emerge on offense or defense where you're getting a sense of who the 2023 Buccaneers will be? We're close. We're not there yet. I figure one or two more games, hopefully, with the bye week. Once you get everybody back and we have a chance to blend everybody in, we'll get a chance to see that. This next one, he talks about the toughness of the Buccaneers, how they're <clears throat> morphing into a tough team. A physical team, so I'm just curious if there's a specific area where you notice it most, whether it's a position group or a moment over the past couple of games. I don't think it was a position group. I think it's the team as a whole. You know, we played where we're, we've been playing tough. We made mistakes, no question about it. We've been playing tough, and we give ourselves a chance. We clean up the mistakes. We got a chance to be a decent team. Uh, where was it? <clears throat> Long lost Glazer says all bye weeks should be nine through twelve, eight teams each week, so it's as balanced as possible. Yeah, that would take a lot of games off the off the docket, though. <laughs> if you have eight teams not playing and NFL is about money at the end of the day. I also wish this is just a side tangent, but I also wish that the way the NFL loads it up, it's that very one o'clock heavy. And then they leave like only two or three games for the four o'clock games. And I get why they do it, but it is frustrating because you just want more football. Like I'd rather them even it out and have it five and five, seven and seven, whatever it is. Because if you only have like two afternoon games, if one of those games is a blowout, that absolutely sucks. And then you're kind of just waiting around for the night game, as they say, waiting all day for Sunday night. So I would like to see a little more of a balance between uh, one o'clock games and four o'clock games. Funny enough, the Bucks and the Lions game got flexed to a uh, four twenty-five start, maybe four o five, but they got slate. They got switched to the four o'clock start. So I'm happy that everybody is going to get to uh, see the Bucks Cream School jerseys nationally. I think that is awesome. And when you have two three and one teams going against each other, that makes it super fun. I uh, got another comment from where did it go? 
Something about Canalis. Yeah, Narav Patel says, Canalis play calling on a handful of drives against the Saints was refreshing. You can see they're slowly starting to gel. Drive with the eye candy, including a Godwin throw, was hella fun to watch. You know who really loved it? Was Todd Bowles. I mean, I love it. It's important to keep teams off balance when you got them on the run. I want to do the same things over and over again. It keeps everybody interested. Everybody can touch the ball on offense. It makes everybody want to play harder, play faster, and it's motivational. And, you know, he did a good job calling it. Yeah, I think that's the key is it's motivational. It kind of sparks something in the group. Not, not that there's always going to be a lull, but sometimes you get a little more juiced up when, uh, when there's a big play. I think Dave Canales described it as stimulating because uh, he spoke about it as well, just throwing different things at the Saints in that last game. Yeah, I mean, it's fun for sure. You know, to that point, you know, the guys do enjoy that. You know, as, as long as they're a part of the play, because, again, that's a lot of mileage, you know, for um, if we aren't giving them, you know, an opportunity for the ball. Um, but, you know, I think in a drive like that against a defense like this, you know, I just wasn't going to try to make it this, like, you know, macho you know mono and mono type of things there's ways to do that make them work and i think coming out of the first three games i just felt like you know maybe i wasn't trying hard enough to just get first downs make yards while we're learning the core of our system while we're trying to learn the fundamental blocking schemes um that we got to get good at the reads for the backs you know we talk a lot about the rhythm of the backs over the last couple weeks um, but the combos up front, we have to be able to practice all that. But while we're getting those things, try harder to get first downs. Try harder to make yards. And I was happy about that uh, yesterday. And as you saw, Dave Canales was on the screen. As many of you know, we call Dave Canales the human Celsius around here. And this is a great time to remind everybody that Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. So many awesome different flavors that they have the newest one is the cosmic vibe it is a sparkling fruit punch um can't go wrong either with uh you know the strawberry lemonade arctic vibe is my personal favorite just tons of great flavors i'll go down the list bam you can see it all bam there's another one arctic vibe like i said my personal favorite um go to the celsius store locator to punch in uh your address to find out where you can get a celsius energy drink um, you can pick one up at your local uh, Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, or your bodega. There is no sugar, no post-energy drink crash or jitters like you might get with another product out there. So if you want to start getting them in bulk, which I would recommend, get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can have it sent to your house or residence, apartment, wherever you live. It don't matter. Uh, have it sent every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Okay, now joining me on the show, I had mentioned earlier that he was going to be stopping on by. It is my colleague at pewterreport.com. We call him BA, Bailey Adams. Bailey, thank you for joining the show. How is morale? Because let's be real for a second. It's been some tough sledding for you. You were at the UCF game over the weekend. And there was a terrible comeback. And you were at the Rays game yesterday, which was pretty awful to see. So how can we lift your spirits? How can we boost morale for you this upcoming week? So I think I'm doing a good job of boosting morale myself. The perfectly timed vacation, the perfectly timed bye week 
is is right now because I have a vacation plan this weekend. Yeah, uh, getting away from getting away from UCF football, getting away from well, I guess we're getting away from the Rays for quite a few months now. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean I'm I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to looking forward to my vacation. I even thought about making my entrance there with, with a slight bodega with a whisper, as as G Vegas said. But I'll leave <laughs> I'll leave that to Scott. I, I almost yeah. just kind of cut in with a with a bodega, but Scott, I, no one can do it like Scott. So yeah, how's it going, Nathan? Yeah, Nathan, uh, number one fan of PeterReport.com. All right, Bailey. Um, at least the Bucks can kind of up the the spirits of everybody right now with uh with this three and one start we'll talk a little bit about where we think this team can go uh this season but so far through four games five weeks four games um just tell me something that you've liked about this team how they're gelling or something in particular that you have your eye on that's like hey these guys are doing things just feel like this team is gritty. I, I like the grit of this team, and like Todd Bowles kind of said, they're playing physical. That they're not, with, they haven't developed the identity that they want yet, but they're getting close. And I think we've seen some of it. We've seen some of this team built in almost in Todd Bowles' image in, in terms of what he, the way he likes to play, the style that he has. I think Dave Canales compliments him perfectly in terms of, you know, and think in terms of philosophy, but also in terms of kind of just personality. You know, Todd Bowles is more more laid back. Dave Canales is. You know, he, he'll talk to you for, for a while. And I, I really enjoy, you know, I think listening to Dave Canales explain almost anything. I'd, I'd be yeah. happy, happy <laughs> to listen to him for, for whatever. But I think, uh, I think it's, it's nice to, to see that the Bucks have, have kind of just come out and they're, they're a physical, gritty team. They have kind of an us-against-the-world mentality. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, – I, I don't think it's all Baker Mayfield, but I think it's just it, – it's sort of a, a Baker Mayfield thing that – that he's kind of infused into this team as well. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, the the unwavering positivity of of Dave Canales, I think, has really you know has really hit the Bucks in a great way. And and Baker, I mean, we all saw the stories I talked about a little bit earlier on the show. Like Baker bringing the linemen to the Bahamas has been great. I mean. Jason Light is doing jumping jacks for him, being like, he's a freaking great dude, like all this stuff. And then he's taking the wide receivers to dive bars. Like, that's just cool stuff, man. That's just like, that's going to make you bond with these players. And then to your point about Canales and, and Todd, it's quite interesting because I wouldn't call it like a good cop, bad cop type of right. like thing. Because I don't, I don't like Todd Bowles isn't like a rule with an iron fist type of guy. Like he very much, it's almost like the sarcasm. It's like the <laughs> like poke fun at you sarcasm versus the pat on the back. It's all gonna be okay type of difference between um, Todd and 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 Dave. But I, what I, I think what's really forged this team together, besides the fact that like they're three to one and winning cures a lot of things, is that. The grittiness is is on point, as you mentioned. But they're showing up big in the clutch moments. Like, whether it was week one, Baker, like, runs for the first down, and then he hits Godwin, and they close out the game. The other team doesn't get the ball back. Or Shaq Barrett gets the pick six against the Bears. Bam, that's the game. Or even last week, you know, getting the big turnover, getting the big stop on downs, getting the touchdown to Tompkins. Game is done. They are closing teams out. They are getting big plays on third and fourth down. And when the tensions are running high and you're just like praying to God that things go your way and they start doing, start doing like 
I think that's really helped this team build as a team as well. Yeah, I think so. And, and it, it's almost a weird contrast to last year because things just kind of seemed off all year last year. And I think anytime the Bucks got into a close game, it just kind of felt like, even though you had Tom Brady as your quarterback, it's just they lost a lot of close games. I think the one in Pittsburgh yeah. was a two-point game. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm trying to remember. I think the, the, the Ravens game ended up being a, a closer game than it, than it actually was. The score looked closer than it yeah. was. But there were a few games last year that they lost that, you know, flipped those results and it feels like a lot of a different year. Same thing's going on this year. It's just they're falling in the Bucks' favor, and they're finding ways to win late. Whether, like you, you mentioned earlier, it was that that Vikings the Vikings game. It was they needed to run out the clock after they kicked a long field goal. They got the ball back. They got a stop. Then they got the ball back and they drained the clock. Didn't even give the ball back to, to Minnesota. Then it was the defense coming up with it against the, yeah. the Bears to ice that game. It's just they're finding different ways to to put the game on ice and. To finish off, finish off games. I mean, they'll, they'll start really well. Well, I wouldn't say they start really well. They've had some, nah. <laughs> some slow starts, but they'll get themselves in a good position, is what I mean by by the second half or by the toward the end of the second half. And they're not kind of falling apart. They are they are seeing it through, and that's been really encouraging to see if you're a Bucks fan. And I think the defense is a big part of this again. Yeah. Whether it's the offense struggling in the first half of of the first game against the Vikings or just not allowing a touchdown to the New Orleans Saints. Like, this defense, in my opinion, I think can take that. I think this defense is a Super Bowl defense. I don't know if the Bucks can still get to the Super Bowl because there is special teams and the offense and everything like that. Yeah. But I feel great about the defense. With all of that said, Bailey, let's look at the other side of things because the Bucks aren't fantastic. They're not undefeated. There are certainly a couple of flaws on this team. What concerns you about the Bucks roster or certain positions or whatever whatever it is for you um, looking at the, the future schedule of this team? You know, I'm trying to think and, and looking, I guess the one one game that stands out as the outlier so far has been the, the Eagles game where they lost. And yeah. they just, I, I, it was a closer game than I think it, the score was closer than it was, um, kind of like the Ravens game last year. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but, there was a lot you could see that got exposed in that game. I, I think just going up against an elite level team, I don't think they're there yet. And there's just a, a lot of reasons for it. I think, I think some, in some cases it's, it's depth, you know, they lost some corners and, and they've lost some guys this year and, and don't quite have, you know, without Kalijah Kansi, they haven't gotten after the quarterback super well. Um, at yeah. times they've gotten, they've gotten after the quarterback, but they haven't had the pass rush um, that they really need. Then there's that, and then there's I think the injury the injury situations are going to be continue something to continue to watch because I don't think they have the best depth. They're not I don't think they have Super Bowl depth or even deep playoff run depth. Um, and and I do I do worry a little bit just about some of the things you're seeing on offense, not in terms of the scheme, not in terms of um, really even the way things are going. It's just I think the tight ends have been a little disappointing this year. And then you have Robert Hainsey right in the middle. That's that that offensive line that has really struggled. And I have not been pleased with the run game. So I think there's like certain things there where that kind of going to, I think will limit their ceiling a little bit. I think it's a good point. Um, I, I'll start with the pass rush because it, it's odd with the Bucks pass rush. Like even last season, I think the pass rush was underwhelming. And then they were still like top 10 in the league yeah. and, and getting to the quarterback. I think it's just the way that they are attacking the passer even last year like this season as well like yes you'll love it when Antoine Winfield Jr. blitzes off the edge but come crunch time or against better teams 
the more tape there is of saying, oh, they love to bring Antoine Winfield Jr. off of the off of the edge on, on these situations, in this type of look, and all those things where teams will start accounting for that and they'll make sure that they pick it up. Um, and you, you look at the numbers, like Vita Vea, once again, leads the team in sacks. Antoine Winfield Jr. is tied for second with the team in sacks. Also tied for second in sacks for the Bucs is Joe Tryon-Shanka, and that all came... Yeah. In a stat padding type of game against the Bears where you should clobber them or you should take advantage of, you know, literally the worst team in the league that will be playing in primetime tonight on Thursday Night Football if everyone <laughs> wants to check it out. So that definitely is a concern. And, and, and Todd Bowles said after the last game that outside linebackers are doing their job. He He credited the Saints for getting rid of the ball fairly quickly, which... I don't know how much I buy. I, I think the Saints are a little bit of a quicker release of the football type of team. But again, Vita Vea had a sack and Antoine Winfield Jr. had a sack. And you know, Yaya made the nice play. But the outside linebacker production does concern me moving forward. I would almost like to see a little bit more of Yaya Diaby at outside linebacker because it seems like you know, he made the big play. Anthony Nelson seems to always pop up um, <laughs> in, in big moments. That does concern me. Outside of that, though, nothing on the defense makes me worry too. Like, injuries are going to happen no matter yeah. what. I feel really good about Zion McCollum if he has to play for a, a much longer time. But that run game. How much do you put on the offensive line of Tampa Bay? And how much do you put on Rashad White? I guess Keyshawn Vaughn, he only played in one game, or in, in Sean Tucker. I think it's – I don't know if I want to do percentages, but I think it's it's fairly even, I think. I don't think they've run yeah. – I don't think they've run blocked super well. I don't think the lanes have always been there. Um, but I think that's kind of to be expected because of it being a new scheme and kind of going to the uh, the wide zone and all that. All that comes with that. It's, it's only been four games, and, and they've only been together as an offensive line. I guess they played some in the preseason, but really not much. And then um, these these four games. So I think there's still some of that. There's some growing pains there. But with Rashad White, it's been just it's he hasn't been hitting the holes. And, and Todd Bowles even said that that he hasn't been been finding the lanes and he's kind of been dancing a little too much. We haven't seen a ton of explosiveness from him. And I don't think he's always he's ever been the most explosive running back to begin with. But we're just not seeing a ton from your RB one there. And then I think the the depth behind him. And I don't want to be too harsh on Tucker because he hasn't played a ton and he hasn't even really gotten yeah. much of a chance, but Keyshawn Vaughn does nothing to inspire anything or anyone. So you're already looking like if, if Rashad White's not getting it going, you don't even feel like you have somebody that you can, you can turn to and say, all right, let's, let's see how he, how he takes it. Like if, if he gets hot, it'll see that. Oh, I think Tucker, they probably want Tucker to be that guy, but he hasn't been yet. And I don't think Vaughn's that guy. So it's, it's a little bit of both, but it's just, yeah, it's it's been weird so far. It's kind of just been like it's been disjointed. And I think maybe some of that yeah. is the scheme. Maybe that's the scheme and, and they're getting used to that. But it hasn't always been there. I think that's a disjointed, I think, is is a proper word for it. As Adam Davies says, the timing looks off on the run game. He's never hitting any holes at full speed. And a lot of this offense is timing. The first thing that popped in my head, it actually wasn't a run play with a uh, – with a running back, but they had Rakim Jarrett in motion. And this was last game against the Saints. He also got a handoff uh, against the Vikings in week one. Mm -hmm. And so Jarrett's in motion and the snap is like a little bit high. So Baker kind of has to like jump and reach after it, come down and then 
Jarrett's already in motion, so he kind of had to like stop and then get the handoff. But that's very much like a timing play. And he only ended up getting, I think, like two yards out of that. And you wonder if it's a proper snap, does he get five or six on the play? And I don't think it comes as as a surprise going back to Rashad White and, and those guys. Like Rashad White ran pretty well against the Saints when he was going to the outside. And we're talking about Tristan Wirfs having a fantastic season yeah. and Luke Gedeke having a fantastic season. So does it shock anyone that the Bucs are running their best going to the outside, even if it's an end around with Devin Tompkins? No, not necessarily. And then the problem that concerns me about the interior rushing game, it's like, it's not like Rashad will get the ball and yeah, he gets a little push and he gets like two yards. He's getting tackled in the backfield for like negative three yards and negative four yards and things of that nature. And that concerns me a lot because short yardage was a nightmare last season for the Bucs. This season, it's been way, way better. But there was even an opportunity in the second half. Keyshawn Vaughn, a third and one, and they couldn't get it. And then even when the game was done, they had a third and one. After the Bucs defense stopped them on fourth down and you got the ball like the 10, they could have like really, you know, hammered yeah. it home and scored another touchdown, but they got stopped on third and one. Granted, everyone knew they were going to run the ball. They weren't going to risk it. Um, but that could come back to bite them later on in the season. Yeah, and I wonder really like how you fix that or how you go about changing anything with that because I know it's it's one of those things where if it's the running backs, there's really not much you can do to fix. And I don't know if they're really – like closer or even thinking about making any changes in terms of the interior or the offensive line. I think Filer's probably locked in at guard and I, I don't think they'll pull, I don't think Malk has been egregiously bad enough for them to to pull the plug there. He's a rookie and they're kind of letting him get through his growing pain. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I don't think there's much they can do personnel wise to change this. It's just kind of, are they going to be able to, yeah, it is, 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 is it growing pains or is it something like, all right, this isn't working and, we're just going to have to make do with what we have until we can fix this in the offseason. I don't really know which yeah. one it's going to be. Right. It's kind of like you just kind of have to wait it out until the, uh, you know, the the, the flip is switched, uh, essentially. And, like, even for Cody Malk, I think Cody Malk has played, at this point of his career as a rookie at guard, compared to Luke Gedeke last season at his point of his career playing guard, I think yeah. Cody Malk has played better than the 2022 Luke Gedeke. Now, obviously, yeah. this year's Luke Gattaca is fantastic going back to his, uh, you know, his uh, – Well, you know what's – position. What I found weird about Malk so far is I know coming into – when he was drafted, we talked about this thing on the draft show itself, is he was a, a, just a mauler in the run game in college. And yeah. And he, he was – you know, had work to do in pass protection. When you look at PFF and you look at that kind of stuff and just look at the tape, he's been better in pass protection. He, he has. has. not been getting it done in the run game. And I wonder if that part of it is is, is him learning the scheme and – and, and adjusting to that, but it's just been funny that that of all the things, you know, it's his pass protection's yeah. been fine. It's just been him not being able to get the job done in the run game as well. The Bucks were ranked second in pass blocking this week. <laughs> Out of everybody in week four, they were ranked second. They yeah. take like the two top offensive line grading. Uh, one of them's PFF. I forgot what the other one is, but yeah, I mean, you saw it on display with that Devin Tompkins touchdown. Uh, you know. Baker Mayfield had all day to throw, which was fantastic. Uh, we got a $5 super chat from Meets McGee. Thank you very much, Meets McGee, who says, I got a feeling Sneak, talking about Keyshawn Vaughn, Sneak will get cut when Chase, I was about to say Claypool, Chase Edmonds comes off of IR. That could be the reason for the extended 
look. So that's interesting. I personally, I think when Chase Edmonds, whenever he gets back, will immediately be RB two. Like he yeah. kind of looks the fastest out of all the running backs right now. Uh, in in the brief moment that he got the play against Chicago, and I think he just understands the game way more than uh, a lot of the guys uh, at his position. And he's been there for a while in the league, not with the Bucs, obviously. Um, I don't necessarily know if that means they would cut Keyshawn Vaughn. There's not really a reason to. They would just keep having him as inactive each week. Now, granted, like if someone else gets injured and they need to call someone up from the practice squad and they need to cut someone else and they're not going to put the injured guy on IR, then Keyshawn Vaughn might be the first guy to go. But honestly, I thought he was five for what he did. I mean, his carries were not good. They were, he averaged like 1.8 yards yeah. per attempt. But I don't know. There's nothing about Keyshawn Vaughn on Sunday that was like, oh, what is he doing? All like all this different stuff. I think sometimes Keyshawn Vaughn has just been a victim of the circumstance. Yeah. And it's, I don't think he's done anything like, it's not, it's not like he's done anything awful. Like you said, it's just, it, he hasn't done anything great. So it's like he's just kind of yeah. there. And I feel like when, I think you're right. Is if if he's a guy that he could be guy on the chopping block. Like if it's like, all right, we need to bring somebody in, and all right, we need to let someone go. I think if you're numbering the roster one to fifty three, I think he's close to fifty three. But I don't think like when Edmonds comes back, I think you probably see Vaughn just go back to being running back four and being an inactive. Um, yeah. It's I don't think they get in a situation really where they'd want to cut him. Every time you you hear Dave Canales talk about him, he just always seems to have. And I know Canales is a guy that's gonna. I think build up his players yeah. and gets the chance, but he always, he loves talking about sneak and he just, he loves, he loves just calling him sneak. He loves everything about yeah. it. So I feel like he either is just kind of, kind of trying to give him something to, to hang on to and, mm-hmm. and push forward from, or he really does see something there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's really a thing where as soon as this move gets made, when, when Edmonds comes back, if, if Vaughn's the guy to go, I don't know about that. Uh, we actually do have video of Dave Canales talking about Keyshawn Vaughn, so let's <laughs> let the OC speak for himself. It's the number two back instead of Sean Tucker, and yeah. it looked like, you know, for a minute there, like he was going to get as many opportunities as Rashad did. Yeah, um, playing, you know, who's been around you know, playing against the Saints longer than Sneak, you know, as far as in the backfield goes. So he's got the experience. This is a really good defense. They do a lot of cool things, whether it's first, second, or third down in some of the packaging. Um, and we felt like Sneak gave us the best opportunity that if they did do something exotic, he would have the eyes that have seen it. You know, um, if they did something in the run game, he'd be able to find his way through those things. And, um, and I thought he did a great job, you know, in the role that he played. Whether well, it was a big third down conversion. Yeah, you got the point there. Um, yeah. And depending on, like, who you want to bring in or what you want to bring in, I know what I would like to bring in is a boatload of cash by betting with mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Pewter, get a first deposit bonus um, all the way up to $200 and as low as $45. Signing up with Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. There's so many different sports to bet on right now. Obviously, football is king. You have hockey coming up soon. See, you got the lightning coming up soon, (laughs) Bailey. Oh, wait, the goalie's out for the first two months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you got hockey coming up. The NBA, oh, Tampa doesn't have an NBA team. Damn. Um, anyway, you got a lot of different sorts to bet on. Uh, use that promo code Pewter. That's P E W T E R. And then, of course, 
You can follow my picks at Peter Picks and Props, which is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And their pick'em game is so much fun to do. It's a great single-player game where uh, you pick at least two players with their stats. You can go all the way up to five. You choose the higher or lower on their different stats, whether it's passing yards or rushing yards, whatever it is. And you can win all the way up to 20 times your money uh, in a single night, depending on all the different picks you make. So check out Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Get a deposit bonus. And uh, consider using the insurance as well. Because if you use that insurance, say you make five picks and you hit four out of the five with the insurance, you'd end up winning money. Without the insurance, you don't. But go to Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code Pewter, uh, P-E-W-T-E-R. My show, Pewter Picks and Props, where I picked the spread and the over-under along with player props in the Bucks game. Uh, it's still coming out tomorrow. The Bucks don't have a game, but I also make some picks around the NFL. And I have five picks that I will be letting everybody know about on tomorrow's show, Pewter Picks and Props. So keep on the lookout. I got to I gotta say, Matty Diamonds has been hot to start this season. Yeah, yeah. I may be I – uh, I'm not sure how much NFL I get to watch on Sunday. I'm on vacation. But I may tune into some Pewter Picks and Props, Hell set those yeah. bets, and then just reap the benefits – uh, whenever I'm able to check the scores, but yeah, I might set, set some bets and then see how they play out. But I gotta, love it, gotta give it up for uh, for Matty Diamond. So far. thank you very much. Shout out, uh, Paul Florida Dreamhouse, who came up with the Matty Diamonds nickname. It's uh, been working well. I, I like <laughs> it. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm at 18 wins right now. I'm 18. I believe I'm 18, 11, and one. So pretty good to start off the season. Yeah. Seven and one with my Bucks picks and. Uh, I'm like, I think I'm like 12 and three with my player props. So I have been winning. I plan <laughs> on continuing to win. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that tomorrow. Thank you very much for the kind words, Bailey. Um, let's look a little bit forward now. So the Bucks have this bye week coming up. I think they have a little bit of a tough stretch out of the bye, not just with the Lions, but of starting with the Lions. Yeah. Then you got the Falcons, which... Yeah, they've been up and down, but it's divisional rival. They're only one game behind the Bucks in the division. So it's still important to make sure you get that tiebreaker. And then you have a Thursday night game against the Buffalo Bills. So not the easiest of sledding for Tampa Bay coming out of this bye. Yeah, I'd say if if you can get those Lions and, and Falcons games, it would be huge. It would be massive for the Bucs. Yes. They'd be 5-1. and one. Going into that Thursday night game, I don't think you're really going to love their chances uh, going up to Buffalo and getting a win, but hey, I mean they, they could. They, they play really, they play really good defense, and maybe they can. It can be one of those games. You've seen Josh Allen have those games sometimes where he just he looks some days like he's the greatest quarterback on earth, and some days yeah. he's just who who is this guy? So maybe he has one of those games. But yeah, it's not the easiest stretch, um, but I think what what will help is especially if they can get two out of three. What will help is that little mini buy after that Bills yeah. game because then they go into. Houston, Tennessee, a little bit more manageable two-game stretch before going out west. So, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got some tough teams on this schedule, and um, I, I think that could present some problems and, and might limit their win ceiling. But I think just from the way they've started, they've they've got themselves some momentum, and I feel pretty good about their chances of continuing to build on it and put themselves in a position down there in, in the last few games of the season to to come out and win the division again. Yeah, that's why, like, momentum is great, and I, I, I was curious to see how much the bye week might slow that down a little bit, but I almost feel like, in an odd way, more people have been talking about the Bucks than the past six months, I would say. Like, you know, you got 
Uh, Kay Adams talking about the Bucks. Rich Eisen every day has a new Bucks personality on, whether it's uh, Gerald McCoy or Baker Mayfield, Peter Schrager. We just talked about having Jason Light on. So now everyone's high on the Bucks after we've been telling everybody for so long. So maybe that momentum can still ring through, especially with the Lions. Uh, their their best receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, has practiced for two days in a row. So, you know, who knows what he'll look like by next week. But even further than that, Bailey, just from what you've seen, we talked about the defense, how great they can be. I'm not going to ask you to give a prediction, but like how far can you see the Bucks going this season? I'd probably, when you look at the, the whole landscape of the NFC, I'd, I'd look at them as still, I, I think they're I think they're the favorites to win the NFC South. And I picked them to yeah. win the NFC South before the season started. I think I had them at nine and eight, one game better than last year. But I, I think they win the division. With that comes a home playoff game. I think they're capable. Uh, it depends on the matchup they get, of course, because last year didn't go so well. But yeah. I think they're capable of winning a playoff game and getting into that divisional round. From there, I'm not so sure how much further they can go. I don't really know if they get to the NFC Championship game, as some of the commenters were saying in the yeah. chat earlier. But I think they could get to the playoffs by winning the division, and I think they could probably win a playoff game, which I think would be – I mean, you look at this team as – or some people look at this team before the season and say, "Oh, they're going to be top five, top yeah. five pick." You you get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. That's a that's a solid season. I know it's not the Super Bowl from three years ago, but one team can win it every year. And I don't think anyone's having any any illusions that the Bucks are going to be a Super Bowl team this year. But mm-hmm. I think I think they could win a playoff game as as things are going right now. So it's quite interesting because. While the game against the Lions is big in its own right just for the Bucs, oh, they're playing good competition. Can they stay in the lead? I also think for the rest of the season, it is going to be an arms race between whoever wins the division in the NFC South and whoever wins the division in the NFC North, which most likely it looks like the Lions. Because if you look at the landscape of the NFC, the true blue Super Bowl contenders are the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. Now, the Eagles and the Cowboys play in the same division. Only yeah. one of them can win that division. The other one is going to be the top wild card. And so it, whoever wins that division, I think you're looking at, let's just say Eagles, Cowboys, the top two seeds with whoever getting the, the, the first round by. So it's a battle between, let's just say the Bucks and the Lions for who doesn't play the Cowboys in the first round or who doesn't play the Eagles in the first round. And so if the Bucks can have a better record than the Lions, that gives a way, way, way more lucrative first-round matchup against Seattle. Seattle would be great for the storyline alone. Dave Canales, his old team, yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. or you know the Rams. Kind of the Bucks got revenge on the Rams. All that good stuff. Plenty of good storylines to get to. Um, but then, yeah, after that, I could see them winning that game. But then you're talking about a divisional game, probably going to Philly or San Fran. I think that's going to be extremely tough. Now, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, we saw with the, the 49ers how both of their quarterbacks got injured and Christian McCaffrey ended up being the uh, you know the de facto quarterback. So anything can happen. But yeah, I think divisional round is probably the best. Maybe they, you know, again, the playoffs, sometimes weird things happen and you, you gotta, kind of you gotta get it. hot. Yeah, Just you got to get hot. Get hot. Um, so I'm not willing to say NFC championship game, but yeah, I think divisional round, I agree with you is probably, probably I, the, the, the best case. Yeah. And you make a great point about wanting to be that three seed. I mean, if you win the, you want to win the division and regardless, you make the playoffs, that'd be great, but you want to be that, that three seed 
um, so that you can avoid the top wild card because it's going to be a, a tough matchup regardless of whether it's Dallas or Philadelphia. But I, I think I, I do think that with the way things are going for the Bucks right now, like their their defense is playing at a level that they can they can make a run. And yeah. the offense is if the offense, you know, I think they've been good so far. They've been solid so far. But if they can kind of step up a level. We're talking a little bit more of a ceiling. I still don't really know if if they're ever if, if this year they're really going to match up that well with San Francisco, Dallas, Philly. Yeah. But you you look at them as a team that's like, all right. I mean, some some breaks go the right way, and who knows what happens. But I, I think as it is right now, it'd be a pretty successful season if they can get to the yeah. playoffs, host a home playoff game, and then get to the next round. It'd be be a big thing for them. And that's something that Scott and I talked about recently. I want to say last week, where like, yeah. The Bucs aren't Super Bowl contenders this season, but that doesn't mean that this season is a throwaway by any means. Because if you get to the divisional round, that tells you a couple of things of like, one, this team can be successful with Baker Mayfield. Two, oh, hey, maybe we will re-sign Mike Evans because we still think that we can win with this group. You know, So there yeah. are a lot of... Um, a lot of different questions that can be answered with this year's team that still makes this season very, very important for the long yeah. run for this team. And it reflects well on Todd Bowles. I mean, I know some people coming into the season had questions about Todd Bowles. If they make the playoffs and win a playoff game and have a better record than they did last year, I don't think as many people are going to be on the fire Bowles train as there were after, after yeah. one year. And <laughs> so I, I think it would be a, th- a huge thing personally for him and for his career. So yeah, there's plenty of answers that they can that they can get by by just going out there and playing. It's it's I don't think too many teams, with the exception of maybe a few, are really going to go out there and tank the way people were expecting them yeah. to tank the Caleb Williams. <laughs> but this is a thing that where they can make a nice little run and and kind of give themselves something to build on and give themselves some answers to see. All right, here's how we're going to reset the team going forward so we can maybe make another run toward toward a deeper playoff run. People love to see the Bucks winning, and it's also important if you win when it comes to your home buying experience, and that's why there's nobody better to work with than Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Realty Group. Eric is a huge, huge Bucks fan. We've had him on the show twice already. He's been in the chat uh, for plenty of episodes as well. Um, and he knows how important it is with buying homes. I mean, it's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. So, um, you know, he treats him and his company, his wife's heavily involved. Uh, him and his wife work together all the time, and he's got coworkers all throughout the country as well, which is super important. Um, they know how important it is. It's not just a big decision, but obviously a lot of families are, are buying these homes. So you know, Eric and his wife make sure that they, you know, they have their own family. So they, they have been through this experience. So they want to help out those people as much as possible. Um, if you want to learn more about Eric Gross Group and, and the company, go to www.housesinfla.com. They could help you purchase your dream home. They could also help you sell your home if you're moving out of the state of Florida. Um, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and you have to leave this beautiful state, but that's okay. So go to the Eric Gross group, www.housesinfla.com. Even if you just want to talk Buccaneers with him, um, he's happy to, to do that as well. And speaking of Eric Gross group realty and the Buccaneers, you have a chance to win a free creamsicle jersey. All you have to do is go to the Eric Gross group realty Facebook page 
like their page and comment on one of their posts. You can literally say anything. Go Bucks. Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. Screw the Lions. You can write Pewter Report if you want. Go Bucks. Pewter Report. All that type of stuff. And they will be picking a winner on October 14th. Someone will be lucky enough to get a free creamsicle jersey. They'll reach out to you so you can give them your size. You choose what player you want, whether it's Mike Evans, Vita Bea, Yaya Diaby. I saw someone saying that. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is just go to their Facebook page, Eric Gross Group Realty, like their page, and then comment literally anything. But I prefer if it's Bucks related or Pewter Report or something like that. So why not win a free cream school jersey with the Eric Gross Realty Group, the official realty group of PewterReport.com? Shoot, I want to win one. Exactly. It, hey, you never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, saw a comment about trading for Chase Claypool. No, thanks. I would emphatically, emphatically <laughs> say no. I mean, we, we just talked about how they built all this great chemistry. Do you want to bring in a guy that uh, reportedly is having issues in the locker room and there's visible tape of him just dogging it out there and not trying hard and being a terrible blocker? I understand that right now the offense is very Mike Evans and Chris Godwin heavy. But, I mean, Trey Palmer's a rookie that has two touchdowns in four games. Devin Tompkins had his best game of the season. I think you got to ride with that, no? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think – if you want to look to bring in some help, maybe, sure, but if, not in the form of Clay, uh, Chase Claypool. I, I just think you, you keep him as far away from, from the facility as you can. I mean, he was already close enough, I think, when the Bears came to town uh, to a few weeks ago, but I, I don't think he needs to make a return trip to Tampa. Just saw some recent news, Bailey. Curious to get your reaction about this. Uh, Bad Bunny is going to be hosting and performing on an SNL show soon enough. Uh, your reactions? I did. I did see that um, come through. I'm. I'm not a big. I haven't really watched SNL a ton in my lifetime. Maybe I'll tune in for this one. So I might yeah, be the target audience for this. They they want to draw in some new viewers. They might have gotten me. Yeah, I don't typically watch it as much anymore, uh, really ever. But uh, I will be watching that one. Tom Brady has hosted before. Travis Kelsey has too. Who else? Joe Montana back in the day. Peyton Manning has. I think Eli has. Uh, J.J. Watt did recently. So, yeah, they've got one as well. Um, last question before we close out the show. Uh, someone was talking about Keith Armstrong. Special teams have been better. It's been better. They did well against the Saints. So, uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think Keith Armstrong should be going anywhere just yet. What do you think? Yeah, I, mean, I think the, the coverage units have had some lapses here and there. But I, I think when you look overall at – I mean, it, they've got the guys now, I think. They've got the speed. It's it just – it's – and then you look at the punter who – I mean, Kamara has been great. And you look at yeah. McLaughlin yeah, who's been fantastic. Man. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of that, you're you're probably safe. But the, some things to clean up on the coverage units. But yeah, when is there not? Definitely. <laughs> exactly. All right. This has been a great show. That's going to do it for us this afternoon. It's going to be the last show of the week as well with the Bucks having a, having a buy. So, please follow us on all of our social media on X. Instagram, Threads, and Facebook at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to this channel. Help us grow our YouTube page. Please do so. So that's going to do it for us. Everyone enjoy the football. For Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Check out Pewter Picks and Props tomorrow. Peace out. Out.